It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Good evening, everyone, and happy Halloween Eve Eve. We've got a lot to get to in the next hour, including the dangerous new lows over at Fox News and the rotten dealings at Rupert Murdoch's news empire. And I'll be speaking with Kimberly Crenshaw, a leading scholar of critical race theory about Glenn Youngkin's closing message of banning books and protecting kids from learning about history. But we begin tonight with this image. Joe Biden is a devout Catholic, only the second in our nation's history to become president. The first, of course, being JFK. And today, Biden met with Pope Francis at the Vatican. And listen to what was discussed. Did he address the cuts to climate and build back better? Yes. What did you discuss about climate and build back better with him? We have half an hour about the need more responsibility we have to deal with this. Yesterday, President Biden announced a framework on a pair of spending bills, including an impressive $555 billion to combat climate change. As The Atlantic pointed out, even after all of the accommodations to Senators Manchin and Cinema, the final bill will still represent the biggest concentration of new and expanded federal initiatives since President Lyndon B. Johnson passed those great society programs in the mid-1960s. So here's the thing. What Biden is trying to do is ambitious. It essentially amounts to an FDR plus Eisenhower plus LBJ plus Obama moonshot all at once. But the two bills being discussed are not created equal. On one side, the bipartisan bill is a much needed upgrade to America's infrastructure. That's the Eisenhower part. It will create jobs and, as Biden has said, help us to be more competitive, far more competitive. But by itself, it will leave a lot of people out, much like FDR's New Deal largely left black people out in order to appease Southern Dixiecrat senators and Eisenhower's highways mowed down black communities. And so the greatness of those achievements, and they were great, was not shared greatness for all Americans. And while an entirely white team was behind the bipartisan bill with Kirsten Cinema supplying the wine, it's Biden's Build Back Better bill that adds the LBJ-Obama part of the equation. It's that bill that will go much further in helping people of color and those in poverty because it is, as Biden used to call it, human infrastructure. The kind of help that goes to the disproportional number of women, especially women of color, who happen to be overrepresented in industries like home health care and are more likely than their white counterparts to have to change their jobs due to childcare with low-income single parents. Again, being disproportionately women of color, who, by the way, also happen to be the Democratic base that voted Biden and this slim Democratic majority into power. The first round of child tax cuts, for instance, the child tax uh, credit payments, already lifted millions of kids out of poverty. While the credit is only extended for one year, it could save millions of kids from going hungry this year. The housing money will make a huge difference for the 30% of black renters who paid more than half, half their income in rent in 2019. And the climate portion of the bill is so essential because who will get hurt first by climate change? 
when the water levels rise and the floods and the fires intensify? Indigenous people, people of color. Now, the bill just has to pass. That's it. And it might have been dead in its tracks if progressives hadn't had folded and voted for the bipartisan infrastructure bill yesterday. Congresswoman Cori Bush made it clear on this show last night, saying Congress would not truly represent the American people, all of the American people, if they voted only for infrastructure. If we're only talking about the bipartisan infrastructure package, we're going to make sure that we set up white men. We're going to make sure we set up white men. Will will some people of color get help? Yeah. But we're basically setting up white men, but we're leaving out immigrants, black women, brown women, our native community. We're leaving out so many others that are part of that other human infrastructure piece. And I won't do it. I won't do it because I felt like that's what happened to me before. The Progressive Caucus is doing their party a service. Let's just be clear about that. Because the people who Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema, with, without a second thought, leave out of the victory are the very people Democrats will desperately need next year to save their majority and with it to save our democracy. But it remains to be seen. Will Democrats get this done and not leave anyone behind? Will they not only fight for those people who entrusted them with power, but also be seen fighting for them so that they can earnestly, earnestly ask for their votes again in the midterms. Joining me now is Congresswoman Pramila Jayapal of Washington, chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus. And uh, Madam Chairman, thank you so much for being here. It's always great to talk with you. Uh, There's a political piece out that talks about uh, what went on um, among the caucus members and Ron Klain at the White House, as well as the president, as well as the speaker. I'm just going to read a little bit of it. It says that as Biden prepared for the high stakes meeting with House Democrats on Thursday, yourself, Congresswoman Pramila Jayapal, made an urgent plea on a call with White House Chief of Staff Ron Klain. Do not send the president to pressure liberals to vote Thursday on the Senate infrastructure bill without a more progressive social spending bill that's fully done. What happened next is a dizzying fall of dominoes. Biden did not directly ask House Democrats to pass his bipartisan infrastructure bill, leaving Pelosi, Speaker Pelosi, to make the request. Then Jayapal's progressives dug in against the infrastructure vote that the speaker wanted to tee up using the president's lack of request for cover. Can you comment as much as you can on who is putting pressure on your caucus to essentially abandon, even if they claim temporarily, the human infrastructure bill that helps so many that would help so many black and brown communities and just give up and vote for the other bill? Who's putting that pressure on the caucus? Well, Joy, it's great to see you. Um, look, I'm not going to comment on any of the any of the discussions. Um, I will just say that there is a lot of pressure to pass the infrastructure bill from the White House, from you know uh, constituents, from um, different interests that will benefit from the infrastructure bill. We're not contesting that. What we are saying is what you said at the beginning that the Build Back Better Act is 85% of the president's agenda. And we're not going to leave people behind. It is the part that is the equity piece, frankly, of the agenda. It is also, by the way, the part that has the biggest climate investment. I mean, there are some good things in the infrastructure bill. There are some things we don't like in it. But the reality of what 
is going to actually help us take on climate change is in Build Back Better. The $600 billion, I mean, it's really stunning what we've been able to fight for and win with the president's help and negotiation, $600 billion into the care economy. Joy, you know who that is. That's women. That's a lot of people of color. That's a lot of women of color, immigrants, that are going to get these jobs that are going to be good-paying jobs. And, of course, families across the country that are going to benefit from universal child care, pre-K, home and community-based care. This is really, really significant. And of course, the child tax credit, as you mentioned. And so our caucus has been, you know, frankly, just really committed to delivering the entirety of the president's agenda. And we understand the pressures on the White House, and we understand the pressures on the speaker, and we understand the pressures on our frontline members. But our belief was that if we could just continue to you know, to not leave anybody behind and to push for these two bills together, we would get them. And we are so close, Joy. I know people feel like it's been going on for a long time, but actually the only serious negotiation only started happening about three and a half weeks ago with these two senators when we actually said we need to make sure both of these things pass. And so now I would say I can see the end. Um, I think it is coming very soon. Uh, The Progressive Caucus enthusiastically endorsed the framework that the president laid out that you put up on the screen and said that we are all in for this framework. We are now we have text, which is what we had asked for. We're Mm -hmm. looking at that 1500 pages and pretty soon we're going to get ready to pass both the infrastructure bill and the Build Back Better Act out of the House, send it over to the, the, the bill. The infrastructure bill will go to the president to sign and the Build Back Better Act will go to the Senate to um, get all 50 senators on board. And, and, you know, I, I say this, you know, not in not a partisan way, but in a Democrats are the only game in town to save democracy way. You know, I feel like we are at an 1877 compromise moment, you know, because the compromise that was made back then, which was the idea is we could heal the country, but we could do it at the expense of the formerly enslaved. And we could throw them all over the side because for the greater good. And I wonder if your colleagues understand with, you know, elections going on in New Jersey and Virginia, you know, what's happening in Georgia with redistricting, that if people of color are told once again, as Dr. King talked about, wait, always told you have to wait for anything to come to you. But we're going to make sure that we make whole the, you know, largely white owned contracting firms that are going to really do great in the infrastructure bill that already have the airport reconstruction contracts that already get the, you know, roadside contracts to to, to do infrastructure. And you all have to wait. Do, do they understand that they will tank themselves at the polls next year? Because people of color are not going to be told over and over again that they have to wait. I think that people operate too much from fear. And there was this fear that, oh, if you push and fight for the Build Back Better Act, then we're going to lose the infrastructure bill. And actually, what I said to all of our members is, I know you don't love the infrastructure bill, but listen, we got to vote for that. And if we, you know, but tie it to the Build Back Better Act, let's everybody vote for all of these things. There may be some things we don't like in infrastructure. There are other people who don't like some things in Build Back Better. Let's just come together and deliver all of this, because if we don't energize our black and brown voters who delivered us these majorities, our indigenous voters who delivered us these majorities, if we don't energize young people with a significant investment in climate, if we don't energize women with uh, an actual investment in 
didn't care because let's be clear, those infrastructure jobs are great, but the Build Back Better Act actually produces more jobs. And while 90% of the jobs in infrastructure are for men, primarily white men, um, the jobs in the Build Back Better Act are for, prim- you know, many of them are for women and for yeah. women of color. So that, that's been our, look, we've kept our eyes on the prize. We're like, we can do both. We're not going to lose anything. Let's not operate from fear. Let's operate from a place of belief that we can do both. And yes, we will fight for the thing that is a little bit harder, that is not bipartisan, but is is a bigger package and is so consequential. Because when we do that, Joy, that's what's going to energize black, brown, indigenous, young, poor, working class families to believe that Democrats will fight for them. And that's what I think um, we're going to get done. And we're going to get it done very soon. So people should just relax. It'll be okay. We are going to get there and we're not leaving anybody behind. I wish I had more time with you. I want to talk to you about the Supreme Court. There's so many other things, but we are out of time. But I will say that what you said, that last bit you said, I hope that everyone internalizes that. No one ever followed a leader who led from fear. Fear is not a leadership quality. And so if the Democratic Party appears fearful, they cannot be surprised if people don't want to follow. It's boldness and bravery and, 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 and being seen fighting. That's what gets your folks behind you. That's just my little soapbox. I will get off of it now and allow you to have a wonderful weekend. Congresswoman Pramila Jayapal, thank you. Thank you. Up next on The Readout. Okay, well, how low is Rupert Murdoch willing to go? Greenlighting Tuckums's false flag documentary, pushing Trump's lies and fueling vaccine resistance. Plus, Glenn Youngkin blowing all the dog whistles in the final week of his campaign for Virginia governor, targeting white voters whose feelings got hurt or will get hurt if schools dare to discuss racism and slavery. Also, my good friend Tamron Hall is here tonight to talk about her new novel, which shines a light on how the media covers missing black children or doesn't. And on this Halloween weekend, we bring you the absolute scariest, the substance of my spooky nightmares. The readout continues after this. Today and every day, Planned Parenthood is committed to ensuring that everyone has the information and resources they need to make their own decisions about their bodies, including abortion care. Lawmakers who oppose abortion are attacking Planned Parenthood, which means affordable, high-quality, basic health care for more than 2 million people is at stake. The right to control our bodies and get the health care we need has been stolen from us. And now, politicians in nearly every state have introduced bills that would block people from getting the sexual and reproductive care they need. Planned Parenthood believes everyone deserves health care. It's a human right. That's why they fight every day to push for common-sense policies that protect our right to control our own bodies and against policies that interfere with decisions between patients and their doctor. Planned Parenthood needs your support now more than ever. With supporters like you, we can reclaim our rights and protect and expand access to abortion care. Visit PlannedParenthood.org future. That's PlannedParenthood.org future. Arguably the greatest threat to our democracy continues in its quest to rot this country out from the inside. No, no, not the Republican Party this time. I'm talking about Fox News. Tuckums Carlson, the new prep school Alex Jones, is defending his January 6th fakeumentary. Last night, he whinged about Liz Cheney's assertion that he's spreading the same lies that provoked the insurrection and that he should be stopped. 
we work for Fox News. Our bosses don't pull people off the air just because some screechy little politician doesn't like what we say. And that's actually the problem. The frozen food scion conveniently omitted the part of Cheney's tweet tagging Fox executives and the man who enables it all, Rupert Murdoch, owner of Fox's parent company, Fox Corporation. It's not just the fact that Fox News is giving a nightly platform to our most prominent white nationalist. It's also the Murdoch-owned Wall Street Journal and its editorial page publishing Mango Mussolini's unhinged letter, again vomiting out the big lie, and then saying it's news, even if it's vomited up bananas. Apparently, the editorial page is now just Facebook, giving space to some deranged Florida retirees rant because they can. Meanwhile, the Anti-Defamation League is asking Murdoch Spawn and Fox Corp CEO Lachlan Murdoch to cancel Tuckum's propaganda special because his embrace of white supremacist talking points galvanizes extremists and mobilizes their movements. The Murdoch empire is just injecting anti-democratic propaganda straight into the veins of millions of people night after night. In their defense, Fox's own lawyers say, you can't take anything Tuckum says seriously. So when Tuckum's white nationalist fever dream airs, keep that in mind. And remember, the Murdochs are undermining democracy here and around the world. Here's how former Australian Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull described the Murdoch effect back in April. It does not operate uh, as a conventional news or journalistic operation any longer. Uh, its influence in the United States, in Britain, in all of the countries where it is to be found is now utterly partisan. What Murdoch has delivered, largely through Fox News in the United States, is exactly what Vladimir Putin wanted to achieve with his disinformation campaigns, turning one uh, part of America against another. What they have created is a market for crazy. I'm joined now by Dean Obadala, host of the Dean Obadala Show on Sirius XM and an MSNBC columnist, and Dana Milbank, political columnist for The Washington Post. Thank you, gentlemen, both for being here. Uh, Dean, I'm going to start with you, and I am going to quote Eamon Moyhadeen, and he tweeted the following on Tuckum's upcoming uh, fakeumentary. Imagine if a Muslim anchor on cable promoted a documentary about 9-11, the worst terrorist attack in U.S. history, witnessed around the world, and then implied even, the, even in the slightest that it could have been a false flag operation the way Tucker Carlson is doing about January 6th, about the Dan January 6th insurrection. Can you imagine how that would play out for us, please? Horrifically, I'd be in a camp somewhere if I was involved with that. I would be deported and I'm from New Jersey. They would deport me someplace else. Look, all of this is the same. Even the defending January 6th, think about it. Joy, we've talked about it. January 6th, the terrorist attack that it was, was a white supremacist terrorist attack. So, of course, Tucker Carlson, who I call Tucker Klansman for years, is defending the attackers by doing this false flag operation. There's a reason why David Duke literally, literally praises Tucker Klansman. This is worse than Al Jazeera after 9-11, what Fox News is. Fox News has become the enemy of our democracy to make a profit. This is horrible. This is going to the core of who we are as a people and the idea of defending. But then again, Joy, in June, Tucker was talking about the FBI being involved in the attack. He has celebrated the actual terrorists who attacked our capital, saying they're being persecuted. It's because he's defending white nationalism and white supremacy. That's his brand. And the attackers were his people. You know, Dana Milbank, Paul Ryan, who is supposedly a norm core Republican, is on the board of Fox News. He, in theory, would know better. I mean, I know that all he ever really cared about was getting maximum tax cuts for the super rich. So I get it. That's all he really does care about. 
But I wonder at some point, does there have to be some accountability for the fact that Fox News is, as Dean said, I watched that little trailer that Tucker put together. And I said it yesterday. I used to watch for my job those ISIS little mini films they would make to try to recruit young incels to join ISIS. They had the same sort of live action, try to incite, try to excite like young men kind of vibe that Tucker is creating in his trailer. We could never do that here. We have a standards and practices department at MSA. There's no way we could ever get away with that. How on earth? I know the FCC has no control over it, but at some point, doesn't there have to be some accountability for Fox for what they're spewing? Uh, right. And the, the key here is the synergy between uh, the Murdoch empire and the uh, Republican Party. I mean, you mentioned uh, Paul Ryan, but think about it. Fox News largely created uh, Donald Trump as a political uh, force by broadcasting uh, the birther lie. That's how he got here. Why are our Republican politicians behaving in such a crazy manner? Well, because they, uh, Fox News has been teaching their viewers to expect the crazy and it becomes uh, a cyclical thing. What he has done to the American media landscape is unbelievable. I I spent eight happy years at the Wall Street Journal before the Murdoch tape over. They still have hardworking journalists there. Uh, First, they were pressured uh, to go easy on Trump during the campaign. And now you have the editorial page publishing something they know to be uh, false. Uh, You know, if Murdoch takes this once great newspaper any further down the toilet, I think we're going to call it the Wall Street Journal. (laughs) Um, Let let me read what Stuart Stevens tweeted about Rupert Murdoch. He said, if Rupert Murdoch were applying for American citizenship today, there would be ample evidence to classify him as a domestic threat and deny citizenship. He's a dangerous man who should be treated as the anti-democratic propagandist he is. And Dean, that's Stuart Stevens, who used to work for Mitt Romney's campaign. Um, This guy owns 20th Century Fox. He owns Fox News, The Wall Street Journal, The New York Post, HarperCollins Publishing, the, the, in the UK, The Sun, The Times, The Sunday Times, The News, The News UK, and in Australia, News Corp Australia. The Australian. I mean, this guy has massive assets. And these assets are doing things like doing that, uh, uh, denialism on the pandemic. This could kill people. You know, whipping up white nationalism, white replacement theory is fine to say on Fox News. That is open white nationalism. Your thoughts on Mr. Murdoch? They, well, Rupert Murdoch only became a citizen in the 1980s so he can make more profits in the United States of America. That's why he's not an American originally. He is now naturalized citizen. We can't take his citizenship away. I almost wish there was a way, but you can't do it. I think you can only counter it. And when you look at, to me, it goes back to, Either Rupert agrees with white nationalism, either he is fine with killing his own viewers, or for a profit, he'll allow anything to go on the airwaves and anything to go on the pages of the Wall Street Journal. And that might be even more alarming what's going on. His children running the you know Fox News now. But, you know, you look at Tucker Carlson, Dana said it. This is all a synergy with the GOP, what's going on. It's not the big lie. It's the big loss that's freaking them out. And it's a loss demographically as well. And Tucker plays into that. Look at Texas. They're an apartheid state. It's 38% white now, and they're controlling the 57% of people of color. And not every white person is a Republican there. The new redistricting map is a racist rag that they wrote there. This is all to keep power. They are afraid. And Tucker Carlson feeds on that by openly, openly talking about a white supremacist theory, which the ADL called for him to be fired. 
And Tucker responded saying F you to the ADL, literally said F you to the leader of the ADL. And, you know, Dana, I mean, whether it's, you know, promoting Viktor Orban, who was a straight up autocrat, um, you know, whether it is promoting white replacement theory, there is a board over there. I mean, and there are normal journalists over there like Chris Wallace, who's operating beside him. And, and there are pressures that every single Republican member of Congress has to answer to Fox News and its viewers. And so they become more extreme. Adam Kinzinger is out. He's redistricting, redistricted out. But he probably was very clear that he couldn't survive a primary because he is not in lockstep with whatever it is that Tuckums is saying. This is radicalizing the Republican Party even further, no? Uh, well, it's definitely radicalizing. It's a, it's a primary uh, force for radicalizing uh, the Republican Party. Uh, it has, uh, you know, look, uh, we don't believe in uh, conspiracy theories here, but uh, if we were to believe in one, you could look and see that the Build Back Better agenda is going to cost the Murdochs billions of dollars, potentially, because it's actually uh, going after the billionaires in terms of making them uh, pay their fair share. So uh, the politics is war by other means. What are you going to do to destroy Joe, Joe Biden to reduce his credibility uh, so that he can't get his agenda through? Why, let's uh, uh, go ahead and, and discredit the uh, 2020 election. Uh, let's pretend that uh, it was a false flag on January 6th perpetrated uh, by Joe Biden. Uh, and let's uh, keep up the drumbeat about socialism and how the the vaccine kills you. Uh, you know, it's hard not to be cynical uh, when you see uh, the damage that, uh, that these guys are doing to the country. Yeah, I can't wait till they all uh, become big fans of Ice Cube because apparently he's not for the vaccine. So all of a sudden the people who were denouncing his lyrics, you know, in the 80s and 90s are going to suddenly become his biggest fans. So we'll wait for him to be, uh, you know, that that's going to happen. We know that's going to happen. Dino Badala, Dana Milbank. Thank you both. Have a happy Halloween. Still ahead. The battle over Beloved and the right's favorite new punching bag, critical race theory, in the Virginia governor's race. That nonsense is their closing argument. We'll be right back. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Let's turn the clock back a few years to Lee Atwater, a Republican operative who used race to win elections. You start out in 1954 by saying By 1968, you can't say nothing. That hurts your backfire, so you say stuff like force buzzing, states' rights, and all that stuff. Like Atwater, Glenn is using coded language because in 2021, he can't get away with saying what he really wants to say. 
So if you see Glenn Youngkin talking about critical race theory, critical race theory, race theory, critical race theory, make sure to let him know he's not fooling anyone. The coded language of critical race theory isn't so coded anymore, is it? We know the CRT boogeyman is a euphemism for anything pertaining to race or history that makes any white parent or child feel uncomfortable, including Toni Morrison's Beloved, a seminal work of American fiction on the historical trauma of slavery. Banning such content is so prominent in Republican Glenn Youngkin's campaign, you'd think this race was really between Youngkin and Toni Morrison, the late Toni Morrison. Well, sorry, Glenn, that is a fight that you're never going to win. Joining me now is Kimberly Crenshaw, leading scholar on critical race theory and executive director of African Amer- of the African American Policy Forum. I'm so glad that you were available to be here to this e- this Friday evening. This dog whistle, I feel like Lee Atwater, that Lee Atwater ad is sort of a perfect sort of chef's kiss explanation of what's going on here. Because critical race theory, here's a Heritage um, Foundation has redefined what critical race theory is, even though we know that's not what it is. It, it, it classifies individuals into groups of oppressors and victims. It's a philosophy that's infecting everything from politics and education to the workplace and the military. Basically, anything that makes anybody white feel uncomfortable. What do you make of this Youngkin strategy? The fighting Toni Morrison. First of all, I'm just so happy to have this opportunity to talk to you about this. Of course, I've been chomping at the bit to have a conversation about what they have done to critical race theory. We've been talking about this for a year. We've been telling people this is coming. We've been telling people that this is a dis- this is a distraction that's working. They're doing a bait and switch. They don't care about critical race theory. They don't know what critical race theory is, but they're telling us what they want to get rid of. They're telling us what the target is. And now that they have gone after Toni Morrison, <laughs> Toni Morrison, one of the most celebrated authors of the 20th century, Toni Morrison. They're going after Toni Morrison. They're, they're, they're going after so many authors. And why? They've told us why. They don't like ideas around social justice. They don't like ideas around diversity. They don't like ideas that cause us to confront the realities of our past, including enslavement, including manifest destiny, I- including genocide. They have told their, their, their followers, if you see any of these concepts in your children's material or anywhere else, and they've listed them, then go yes. at it. So it's not a secret anymore what they're going after. It is the entire social, racial justice agenda. And Christopher Rufo admitted that. He literally was at the Claremont Institute saying, I don't even care about this stuff. I don't even know what it is. I don't care about it. He's like, this is going to mobilize our voters. Duh. Like he said it out loud and people still don't get it. Here's some of the books that were uh, that the Texas Tribune reports. Texas wants to uh, to have banned. There's eight. Well, we don't have a list of the individual books, but it's 850 titles that are in their libraries and classrooms. I mean, they're talking about anything that talks about Texas history, anything on race and sexuality. You're right. It's very open. Do you do you understand why Democrats just don't say that? Just don't come out and say these people are against all of y'all. They're against anything that's about black and brown people and LGBT people being equal. They don't want to hear that. Well, you know, the the problem is this. Um, Our our side uh, tends to take some time to think things through. Uh, we, we don't rush to judgment. We, we don't believe lies. Uh, but we are up against an organized faction that has created big lies out of the election, big lies out of the notion of voter fraud, big lies out of the notions of, of, of the environment. 
And because, I mean, as your earlier segment just pointed out, people are used to this diet. So it's easy to distract people from what's really happening and force them to be express themselves as as people with grievances. Uh, I think many people really believe it because they're used to listening to this stuff. The ones that don't believe it are the Christopher Rufos, the ones that know that what they're going after is is not the coarse critical race theory. They're going after right. critical ideas right. about race and our American society. And it is it is time, Joy, for our for our constituents to to be uh, apprised of the fact that this is basically taking away our uh, our heritage, taking away the country that we're working so hard to build. We've been talking to parents all across the country. They don't know what critical race theory is, but they do know that they want the next generation not to be bedeviled with these problems. And they realize the way forward is to learn about our past so we don't repeat it. Yeah, I mean, they, they basically rebranded critical race theory as anything that criticizes historical white people, like white people in history. Um, let's talk about the actual what critical race theory is for, which was to talk about the way the legal system disadvantages people of color historically, and it's built that way. There's a judge who was in this Jan- one of these January 6th prosecutions. Washington Post reported, and, and this is what this judge said. He called... Um, it almost schizophrenic, the prosecutions of these people, saying these rioters were not mere protesters. No wonder parts of the pro- of the public in the U.S. are confused about whether what happened on January 6th at the Capitol was simply a petty offense of trespassing with some disorderliness or shocking criminal conduct that represented a grave threat to American democratic norms, said this judge. Her name is Beryl Howell. We really are literally seeing people who broke into our Capitol waving the treasonous Confederate flag and and, and, and chanted hang Mike Pence getting light sentences. Right. When you see people of color being locked up for life for selling weed, isn't that what critical race theory is about? It's about these disparities in the justice system. Well, that joy and so much more. But, you know, to to really understand what's going on here, we just have to go back to the 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 most significant moment in our history when violence was being used to pursue a racial project and what happened to those people. And I'm talking about the Civil War. Yes, we are talking about a group of people uh, who took up arms against the United States because they wanted to fight to keep their slaves. They basically got a timeout, right? They killed mm-hmm. hundreds of thousands of people, right? The bloodiest war that we've been in. And they basically got a timeout. And to, and, and to, to, to add um, insult to the injury, in less than a generation, our president was willing to say that it was a quarrel forgotten, So basically, this story about taking up arms against the United States has now been reframed uh, as the lost cause. And the lost cause is what has been in our textbooks for so long. The daughters of the Confederacy, they 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 might have lost the, the 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 battle, but they won the war because they were able to tell the story. And the story that they told was that this was not about the, the Civil War was not about keeping slaves. The Civil War was fought over honor. So what 
we're dealing with right now, both in in the cases that you're talking about and in the debate about what's being taught in schools, is the modest effort to reflect back Mm. on what has happened so that the lies that were told about the past are now clarified so everybody can understand what happened the last time lies were told and, and our country took up arms against itself. My worry is that because people don't know that history and now a whole mm-hmm. faction is trying to make sure they never will know that history. We might go. be in a position five years from now when people are saying you can't teach what actually happened January 6th. And they are trying to do that. Kimberly Grinchel, they are trying to do that right even as we speak. Thank you so much. You are just the right person uh, that I wanted to talk to about this. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Have a wonderful weekend. Thank you for all that you do. Okay, up next, award-winning journalist Tamron Hall joins us to talk about her new novel about the mysterious disappearance of two young black girls in Chicago. She's coming up right next after this short break. Stay with us. Tens of thousands of black girls and women go missing in the U.S. every year. But you probably don't know that because their stories rarely get national attention. The tragic case of Gabby Petito, by contrast, attracted nationwide coverage and highlighted the fact that people who don't look like her don't receive the same attention when they go missing. Here on this show, we've tried to shine a light on the stories of missing people of color. Tamron Hall, my friend and former colleague and the Emmy Award winning host of The Tamron Hall Show, has written a brand new crime novel called As the Wicked Watch, and it touches on that very topic. The main character, a black woman journalist, investigates the disappearance of two black girls in Chicago. And Tamron Hall joins me now. And uh, I love the fact this is our pre-Hollywood show. This is the book as the Wicked Watch. And Tamron, my favorite thing about this book, other than the fact that you wrote it and it's your first novel, is that it has this subtitle, this piece down here, which I don't know if you guys can see. Let me show you guys on the bigger box here, on the marketing box, which you get if you know Tamron Hall. The first Jordan Manning novel, which tells me that this is going to be a, a character who's going to live with us for a long time. Tell me about Jordan Manning. Who is she? I hope she does live with us for a very long time. Honestly, Joy, I was the kid who had the Nancy Drew box set under my bed. And well before the pandemic, you had it too. I know. we're. I had it too. <laughs> I had the box set under my bed. I never imagined I would write a novel, certainly not a series, but there was so much I felt that Jordan Manning, the character could bring. I actually sold this series before the pandemic, met with huge publishing houses, and one after the other told me that no book exists with a Black female protagonist who is a crime solver, who's an investigator in a wide spectrum. And when I heard that this character does not exist in the literary world of thrillers, it was inspiring for me to keep going. And, you know, this is so personal for you. I know that you tragically did lose your older sister uh, to a crime of domestic violence. So, you know, you take very personally these stories of loss and you do such a brilliant job in interviewing victims uh, on your show, on the Tamron Hall show. Talk about this issue of missing black girls and and trying to get their stories out, because that is what, you know, this incredible crime fighter Jordan Manning is trying to do. She is following this case, but really, Joy, it was inspired by something that happened to me in 1997. I was in Dallas and then moved to Chicago to be a reporter. 1997, I covered the death of an 11-year-old child. 
Then I moved to Chicago, another 11 year old child in that same year. She was black. The child in Texas was white. And I watched how those cases were handled very differently. So this inspired the case that Jordan Manning, the character, was following. Now, I could never have imagined that exactly when this book was released, you would go viral for repeating the words of someone we both admire greatly, Gwen Ifill, who talked about missing white woman syndrome. I turned on my phone. You were going trending. And I thought to myself that we have to be kidding ourselves. I've written a whole novel and you're going to act like you are surprised that this term A exists and that we shouldn't all be concerned about it. So I have this character who is a character that I imagine I could or wish I had been. Jordan Manning is speaking up in newsrooms I did not speak up in. Jordan Manning is taking on an establishment that I did not because we know the consequences of that, right? You speak out, you ultimately suffer the consequence of being fired. And so here, Jordan Manning, this character that I've created, much bolder than I was, far less apologetic than I felt I needed to be, as she follows the leads and has this real conversation. In fact, there's a passage where she says, when you say girl next door, who are you talking about? Because the girl next door doesn't look the same. The girl next door looks like the neighborhood she lives in. And on Friday, excuse me, on Monday on my talk show, we actually have Jelani Day's mother on my show to talk about how that felt to literally plead with the news media to follow her son's disappearance Mm. and bold hosts and journalists like yourself who inspired Jordan Manning, my character, said this is 2021. We're not going to be Mm -hmm. silent as we were with the Bradley sisters in Chicago who've been missing Mm. now for decades with no Mm. answer for their family. Uh, amen, amen, amen. Jordan Manning is a hero, the hero that we need right now, but so are you, Tamron Hall. You know how much I admire you, my friend. This is exciting. I'm so excited about this. I hope everybody will get into this. The series, this is just the first one. Thank you, Tamron Hall. Really appreciate you and congratulations. Thank and you, coming up next, thank you. thank you. And coming up next, turn down all the lights and get ready for a very special, very spooky Halloween take on the absolute worst, the absolute scariest is straight ahead. Don't miss it. Okay, now here is where I normally read somebody for filth in what we lovingly call the absolute worst. But since it's nearly Halloween, let's change it to the absolute scariest. (laughs) And do you want to know the substance of my spooky nightmares? Come closer. 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 It's not ghosts or goblins or things that go boo. It's what America could look like in January 2025. Just get short and even older weirder Donald Trump, buoyed by Republicans in red states who game the voting system, Texas style, in states like Florida, Georgia, Arizona, and more, so that they decide who wins, no matter what the voters do, decided that he had enough guarantees of victory to run for president again. And just as happened in 2020, he loses, because he's a loser, and most young people and people of color can't stand him. 
But it doesn't matter because Republicans have put their own people in place in state election boards and they have enough governors to reject Joe Biden's electors this time. And so Trump returns to office. But this time he's unconstrained because there are no more American Democratic elections. With his own little puppet, Puppet Kevin as speaker, whom he can dangle and fling to his delight, and his cruel, wicked henchman, Grim Reaper Mitch McConnell, back in charge in the Senate, each man more desperate to curry Trump's favor than ever before, and his hooligans firmly in control of the Republican Party nationwide, there is no stopping him. Having returned to power after the Republican-rigged 2022 midterms, McConnell refused to allow President Biden to name anyone to the Supreme Court. So now they get to make it seven to two for the far right if one of the current members becomes a ghostly incarnation. With Roe versus Wade already long gone, women have no rights over their own bodies and the bounties are flowing. The right to vote, gone. Americans have but one choice, Republicans. Migrant children, back in cages. COVID-19, running freely throughout the population, killing at will, while Trump's new vice president, Ron DeSantis, laughs gleefully as he counts his Regeneron stock. But America's new president for life doesn't laugh, oh no. Denied power and Twitter for so long, he is on a rampage, using the IRS to attack his enemies and to punish and seize control of social media companies to make them his own personal mouthpiece and to give his children corporate jobs. Sorry, Getter, you're just too weird to be included. And if you think it's racist and fascist out here now, oh, just wait till all of Trump's monsters are unleashed. Picture the Proud Boys and the Three Percenters and the Boogaloo Boys with real power. Trump's own personal militia, racist sheriffs and police free to commit untold violence against anyone they please, all in the name of Trump. The land ravaged, plowed for every drop of oil and coal till it all just burns. If you're LGBT, especially T, be afraid. Your rights are on the knife's edge. Be quiet. Shh. Perhaps they won't see you if you hide. Books banned or burned. Only the extolling of white heroes will be allowed. Hide your Toni Morrison. Hide your W.E.B. Du Bois. Hide your 1619 Project if you want them to survive. Because America won't be America anymore. It will be theirs. And I want to fire Dr. Anthony Fauci. Did you hear that, Tony? They want you locked up. You know, on January the 6th, I objected during the Electoral College certification. Maybe you heard about it. These radical liberals, they want to erase our history. They want to replace it with their crazy Marxist theories. Call your congressman and feel free. You can lightly threaten them and say, say, you know what? If you don't start supporting election integrity, I'm coming after you. My God. A parent did a Nazi salute at a school board because he thought the, the, the policies were oppressive. General Garland is doing a Nazi salute at an elected official. Is that protected by the First Amendment? Yes, it is. Okay. Happy spooky Halloween. And that's tonight's readout. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, 
and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com.